I'll invite you to turn your Bibles uh, to Exodus chapter 15. We'll start there this evening. And then uh, and there's a, a lot of other scriptures that I want to point your attention to and compare. I want to build a case tonight for receiving healing and, and how the Bible says to do that. In Exodus chapter 15, it's uh, telling us the story of just after God has delivered the children of Israel from bondage in Egypt. He brought them through the Red Sea, you remember, on dry ground. When Pharaoh's chariots and his army, which was the greatest military force on the face of the earth, chased in after them, he brought the waters back together and, and drowned the armies, destroyed in just one moment of time the greatest military force that the, that the world knew at that time. And um, uh, Israel is being led by, the, by Moses toward the promised land, and they come to a place where they found no water, as a matter of fact, I think I'll just start reading in Exodus chapter 15, beginning in verse 22. It says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah, which means bitterness. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Now, this is a type of Jesus being cast into mankind into the human race. And he showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet, and there he made them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. In other words, there was uh, two things going on here. One was the people of Israel needed water, and God provided that water, and the way that he did it was uh, a type of Jesus being sent to the earth to cleanse mankind and, and um, refresh his soul literally bring salvation. But where it says he made him a statute and an ordinance, these are words that are a little blind to us because we don't use those uh, terms uh, very often anyway, if at all, in our normal manner of speech. But it literally means he made an unchanging law. God is making an unchanging law. Now the Bible says God never changes. So every law that God ordains is unchanging. But specifically, the meaning of these words, statute and ordinance, means unchanging law. So here's the law that God created, that God instituted. And remember, God is working behind the scenes. The Bible says everything in the Old Testament is given to us as a type and a shadow. In other words, there's a meaning in every story of the Old Testament to, for us to apply to New Testament salvation. So here's the, uh, the ordinance, the unchanging law that God made to the children of Israel. He said, verse 26, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes. The first thing God identifies is the condition for the blessing that he's going to promise. And the condition is to be a doer of the word. The condition is totally, wholly, solely based on obedience to the word. In other words, the blessing that he's going to identify, the, the promise he's going to make, the thing that he's going to say, this is an unchanging law, I'll always be like this, if. The if is always contingent on the word and the relationship of the individual to that word. Now, the rest of the verse is a little uh, unfortunate that the translators translated it in the way that they did because the translators, King James translators, were trying to make a word-for-word -word translation as close to the Hebrew as they could. 
Any translation is based on two things. Number one, the knowledge of the language, the translator's knowledge of the language. If you don't know the language, then you won't be able to translate well from the Hebrew to the English or from any other language. And the second thing that the translators were dependent on, any translation is dependent on, is their understanding of God. Because they can know the language, but if they don't understand God, if they don't understand the character and the nature of God, then the words, the language itself, may or may not adequately or accurately portray what God's trying to say. In the Hebrew language, there's a permissive verb that oftentimes, this is being one example, that oftentimes was translated in the causative sense by the translators. And there's only one explanation for that. And that is the understanding of the translators about God. In the days of the King James translation, most everybody had the idea that God caused everything that happened to be the way that it was. They had very, under, very little understanding of the devil and his authority here in the earth. They had very little understanding, if any, that the devil has control over circumstances in the earth because he's the God of this world. And as a result, the translators put in the causative sense that which should be in the permissive sense. How do we know it should be in the permissive sense? Well, we've got the rest of the Bible that tells us the character and the nature of God. So it reads... In the King James, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon you. It should be, I, should, I will allow none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. I have brought literally is in the original, which have come upon the Egyptians. But the important thing is this, and, and with or without translations, with or without understanding of the causative versus the permissive verbs and tenses and all that kind of stuff, you can clearly see how God is identifying himself. He identifies himself with one of his seven redemptive names. There are seven times in the Old Testament that God identifies himself by a certain name, and every one of those were fulfilled through the redemptive work of Jesus. In other words, Jesus becomes that which God said about himself. And the first one, please understand, the first one that God, the first name that God identifies himself as is the God that healeth thee. In the Hebrew, it's Jehovah Rapha, but it literally means I am the Lord that healeth thee. So God is saying, even if you disagree with the causative and the permissive and, and all that, who's the, the source or the agent of sickness and disease and so forth, even if you disagree about that, Understand that without objection, without dispute, God is saying, your relationship with my word will create a condition where I will be your healer. Now, can anybody dispute that? Now, that's an unchanging law. That means if the relationship that Israel had with the word of God made God their healer in the Old Testament, then our relationship with the word of God makes God our healer in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. That would have to be true, wouldn't it? Now turn with me over to uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and Romans chapter 10. I want to compare a couple of other scriptures talking about this relationship with the Word and the healing power of God being made available to us. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please Him. Without faith it's impossible to please Him, meaning God. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
You want to be pleasing to God? A lot of times people are trying to work their way into pleasing God by doing good works and stuff. And good works are great. That's, the Bible teaches good works. But it doesn't teach good works as a means of pleasing God. It teaches good works as a matter of duty that we have to our fellow man. To be good witnesses for the Lord. But never do our good works identified as a means of pleasing God. If you want to please God, there's one and only one way to do it. And that's through faith. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For, here's the reason why. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now how do we find out who God is? Let me ask you this way. Is there any way that we can possibly know who God is apart from his word? A lot of people have tried and come up with all kinds of goofy ideas that contradict what the word of God says about our Father. Simply put, there's one and only one way you can know who God is, and that's through his word. So notice what the requirements and the criteria for pleasing God come down to. Believing his word. Believing what the word of God says about who God is. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must, number one, believe that he is. That's through the word and only through the word. And number two, here's the second thing you've got to do to please God. And that he's a rewarder, must believe, first of all, that God is. Secondly, and believe that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, is there any way to seek God apart from his word? The answer is no. So notice both things that are requirements for pleasing God are contingent upon the word of God. Let me say it, translate it to you this way. He that cometh to God, without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe the word. And must believe that God is a rewarder of them that seek him through the word. That's what Hebrews 11.6 is saying. That's how you believe who God is, is through the Word. That's how you diligently seek God, is through the Word. And notice, it's not just the requirement or a command that God is saying, seek me through the Word. He's saying you've got to believe that He rewards you by seeking Him through the Word. You can't please God unless you believe that there's a reward attached to seeking Him through the Word. Now, how does this faith come? Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing... And hearing by the word of God. Notice again it comes back to the word. God requires faith to please him. Where does that faith come from? It comes from the word. What does that faith produce? That pleases God. It produces or creates a belief. From the word of God. Of who it says God is. And it creates a belief. Through the word. That God rewards you for seeking him through the word. It's all based on the word. Just like God said under the old covenant. If you keep my commandments and keep my statutes. In other words, if you obey my word. Then I'll keep sickness and disease from coming upon you. Which come on the rest of the world. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now I want you to look at some other scriptures. I want you to look with me. We're right here in Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verse 1. Because here's the Bible definition of what faith is. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
the evidence of things not seen. I want you to focus on the last phrase. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. What in the world are things not seen? Well, if you want to know what something is, sometimes you have to figure out what it's not. Let's turn it around and ask the other side of the equation, and that is, what are the things that are seen? Well, things that are seen are things that we make contact with through our five physical senses. There's no way for you to make contact with this natural world, this physical realm, except through your five physical senses. So the things not seen are things that are contrary to your five physical senses. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 says it this way. Talking about the same thing. Says it this way. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Now sight here is not just talking about things that we see. Sight is representative of our five physical senses. Because it wouldn't do any good to ignore what you can see with your physical eye, but still operate by your other four physical senses and discount the word. That's not faith. So let me make this statement. For we walk by faith and not by sight has to mean for we walk by faith and not by our five physical senses. Therefore, the faith that pleases God, the faith that is required of us to receive from God is a faith that departs from the the physical realm. It's a faith that leaves the five physical senses. And that's the only way you can please God. Now let's look at a couple other scriptures to prove our point. Look with me over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James is talking about receiving from God. We'll start in verse 5. It says, If any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But there's a condition. It's not just a matter of saying, God, I need wisdom, so thank you for giving it to me, or I expect you to give it to me. There's a condition for receiving wisdom, just like there's a condition for receiving anything from God. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. So we see what the Bible is saying. We'll continue to read in just a moment. But we see that what James is saying is that the requirement to receive wisdom is unwavering faith. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But, here's the requirement, here's the criteria. But let him ask in faith, what kind of faith? Unwavering faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man, the man that wavers, let not that man, he's asked the right thing, he's asked for wisdom, but he's wavering in his faith. We'll talk about what that means in just a second. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Now, folks, I would submit to you that he, he has gone from the, the specifics of asking for wisdom and talking about how to receive wisdom to the principle of how to receive anything and everything else from God. He says the man that wavers, he starts off in faith, but then he wavers, can't expect to receive anything from the Lord, not just wisdom, but anything else from God. Now, what is wavering? What does it mean to waver? 
It means to return to your five physical senses. Because faith, the kind of faith that pleases God, and obviously the kind of faith that receives from God, is the kind of faith that departs from the five physical senses. It departs from the sense realm. And that's what Hebrews 11.1 means where it says faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of what the Word of God says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word, so the Word has to be the source of faith. So that which the Word says has to be accepted as true no matter what we see or feel or what any of our other five physical senses are telling us. Faith must depart from the sense realm in order to be effective. It must depart from the sense realm. It can't be mixed with your five physical senses. You can't have a little bit of faith and a little bit of walking by sight. The Bible says we walk by faith instead of walking by sight, instead of walking by our five physical senses. James is saying that to return to our five physical senses is like wavering, or what he identifies as wavering, and that man doesn't receive anything and should never expect to receive anything from the Lord. Now compare that with Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Jesus is describing faith. He's just used faith to curse the fig tree and it's withered and dried up from the roots. The disciples are asking him, how did this happen? At least that's their implied question. And Jesus explains that it's faith. Verse 22 says, have faith in God. Other translations uh, present this differently. One translation says, have the faith of God. I like that. Well, the faith of God would be the God kind of faith, wouldn't it? It's interesting to realize that God requires the God kind of faith out of man in order to be pleasing to him and in order to receive from him. What is the God kind of faith? Well, the God kind of faith is what we've just identified that departs from the five physical senses. It departs from the sense realm. The God kind of faith leaves the sense realm. The God kind of faith says the word of God is true no matter what I see, no matter what I feel, no matter what anybody else says. It's true because God's word says it's true, not because my five physical senses tell me so. So Jesus, explaining this kind of faith, says in verse 23 of Mark chapter 11, he says, For whosoever shall say unto this mountain, faith must have something to do with the words of your mouth. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. What is doubting in your heart? That's the thing we've got to guard against. It's easy to speak to your situation and speak to your problems. But the thing that we've got to guard against is doubting in our heart. What is doubting in our heart? It's returning to your five physical senses. Faith that speaks to the mountain leaves the sense realm and refuses to return. The God kind of faith refuses to return to the five physical senses. He goes further and says... That prayer works, that uh, faith works in prayer in verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, because this is true, because faith, the word spoken from your mouth, where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So the faith that comes out of your mouth because of what you believe in the, of the word of God in your heart will produce, no matter what you see and feel, as long as you refuse to return to your five physical senses. That's what Jesus is saying in verse 23. Then he tells us in verse 24 how faith works in prayer. 
Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. What things soever you desire. Now he's talking about faith, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word. So what desires is he talking about? He's talking about desires in line with the word. Some people will say, they'll go to extremes, and they'll say, you mean to tell me that I could just believe for a trillion dollars? If I just prayed in faith, I could have a trillion dollars? Well, if you could have faith for it, yeah. But where are you going to get faith for it? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. In order to have faith for anything, you're going to have to find out what the word of God says on the subject. But once you do find out what the word of God says on the subject, no matter what it looks like, no matter what you feel, no matter whoever, whoever else in the world says what, the faith produced by the word of God can receive it if it refuses to return to its five physical senses. Are you out there? Is this making any sense? All right, Jesus continued in Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, because faith that refuses to return to its five physical senses will always produce according to the words it speaks. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them, them being the things you desire. Them being the things you desire. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe. Believe according to what? According to your five physical senses? No, that's what destroys faith. That's what causes a person to waver. Believe according to the word of God that you based your faith on. Believe according to the promise of God, in other words. Believe that you receive them when you pray. Believe that you receive them. When do I believe they're mine? While I'm praying. What's the result? And you'll have them. And you'll have them. Notice that believing you receive something is different from having it. How is that possible? Because believing you receive it is taking a position that pleases God and says, Father, your word says so, so I believe it is so. Having it is when it becomes a physical and material reality. Now, folks, that's always going to be the fight of faith. Here's the fight of faith. In every situation, no matter what you're believing for, the devil is always going to try to get you to operate, to speak, and believe according to your five physical senses. He knows that the only way that he can stop your faith from working is to get you, to influence you, to return to your five physical senses. To depart from faith is to return to your five physical senses. That's why faith is the evidence of things not seen. So the question is always going to be this. Always and in every situation. How long are you going to refuse to return to your five physical senses? This is healing too, so we'll put it in a healing context. You see that the word of God says... God said in the Old Testament, he said in numerous scriptures, we could stand here all night and quote and refer to scriptures about healing belonging to us now. But one we've already looked at is Exodus 15, 23. God said under the old covenant, covenant that's not as good as what we've got. 
He said, if you'll hearken diligently to my word, then I'll heal your body. If you'll hearken diligently to my word, I'll heal your body. That's the essence of Exodus 15, 23, isn't it? If you take a position of, my, of, of believing my word, then I become your healer. That's the condition. The condition is, if you take your place according to my word, obedience to my word, then I will heal your body. It can't get any simpler than that, folks. Now, when he says take a position according to his word, what does he mean? He means departing from your five physical senses, departing from the sense realm. Faith that receives from God always, always, always departs from the five physical senses. It, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> it always leaves the sense realm. Faith is not real faith if it doesn't leave the sense realm. And faith that begins by leaving the sense realm but returns anywhere along the way to the sense realm is wavering faith. It's doubting in the heart. It's faith that fails to receive. And folks, that's the reason right there why so many Christians fail to receive from God. They may begin in the right place. They may make the right confession. They may make, uh, uh, ask for the right thing according to the will and the plan and the purpose of God is revealed in the word. But the question is always going to be the same question. And that is, how long will you refuse to return to the sense realm? For some, they'll give God a day. Well, we'll, we'll let it go overnight and see how we're doing in the morning. But if I don't feel any better in the morning, then I'll just have to assume that it didn't work. But that's wavering faith. That's doubting in the heart. Some people will give it a couple of days. Some people will stretch it out to a week. How long is it for you? That's the real issue, and it's the only issue. It's the only criteria that God placed upon being your healer is your relationship with his word. Your relationship by faith with his word. So how long are you going to refuse to return to the sense realm? You're going to go a week, a couple of weeks? How about a month? What about six months? Man, that's a long time. What about a year? What about two years? Well, I don't want it to take two years, Pastor Mike. I understand where you're coming from. I don't either. I'd like for it to be overnight. Anybody not want it overnight? But the question is still the same, and that is, what will it take to cause you to return to the sense realm? Whatever that is, the devil's going to put that to the test. For me, it's forever. For me, it's forever. I don't care if what I'm believing for takes forever. I will refuse forever to return to the sense realm. Now, I firmly believe that because I've made that commitment, it won't be for forever. But that's the real issue. That's the fight of faith. That's the battle you're always going to have to fight with the devil, whether it's a financial blessing that you're believing for, whether it's a physical blessing that you're believing for, 
whether it's a family blessing you're believing for, whether it's peace in your life that you're believing for, it's always going to be the same fight. The devil has only one area to attack because there's only one way that we can mess things up according to God's plan. And that's the return to the sense realm. To say, well, I feel like this, so I guess the word's not true. Well, I can see that nothing has changed, so I guess the word didn't work. That's what I mean by returning to the sense realm. Anything and everything that you've ever received from God, anything you ever will receive from God, anything that anybody, any human being on the earth has ever received from God has always departed from the sense realm to receive it. Turn with me over to Romans chapter 10. Paul talking about salvation, which every Christian believes in. The unfortunate reality is not a lot of Christians know how they got it. They may know that they're saved. They may remember when they prayed or went to the altar, responded to an altar call or whatever the case might be. And when Jesus came into their heart, but not everybody knows how they got it. But there's nobody that's ever been saved without faith. Which means there's nobody that's ever been saved that did not depart from the sense realm. Departing from the sense realm is a requirement for faith to receive from God. Paul said, beginning in verse 8, Romans chapter 10, verse 8, he said, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now, what is the word of faith which Paul said that he preached? What is he talking about? He's talking about the word of God. He's talking about the revelation that God gave him, which we live by, which we know of as inspired scripture from heaven. That's what Paul called the word of faith that we preach. So he's saying that the word of God is the source for anything and everything that we present ourselves to with God. It's the source for everything we receive from God. He's going to show us the relationship between the word and salvation. What saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now, the word of God being in your mouth and in your heart, those are the the elements of uh, faith, aren't they? Jesus said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe in his heart, that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So Paul's talking about the same elements that Jesus did when it comes to the subject of faith. The word of God in your mouth and in your heart. That, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. In other words, he's saying believing that God raised Jesus from the dead and confessing him as Lord and Savior comes before salvation occurs in order for salvation to occur. Let's read it again. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Do we have any physical evidence that God raised Jesus from the dead? Do your five physical senses have any bearing on that belief whatsoever? None. Nobody was here to see it. We're all taking somebody else's word for it as written in the Bible. So it really comes down to we're taking God's word for it. 
So you're going to have to suspend your five physical senses. You're going to have to depart from your five physical senses. The devil whispering in your ear saying that can't be true. Somebody being raised from the dead. We've never heard of that before. We didn't see it. We can't feel it. How can we accept that to be true? We choose to depart from that. And folks, that's the argument that a lot of people have. How can we know that this is true? How can we know this preaching of Jesus that we hear is really true? Well, why would they have that thought? Why would they have that, that um, uh, quandary in their mind? Because of their five physical senses. And anybody and everybody that gets saved has to jump that hurdle. Or else there's no salvation. You can't say, well, I don't know if it's true or not. I'll try this. I'll try confessing Jesus as Lord and see if it works. And if it works, then I'll know it's true. It never works like that. Because you're required to believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead before salvation occurs. So he says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, that means Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. In other words, salvation comes afterwards. Salvation comes afterwards. That's the principle that every person that's ever been born again has operated according to. Nobody can be, nor has ever been saved, that didn't believe and confess first. Independent of their five physical senses, departing from the sense realm in order to become a child of God. Verse 10, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness. Unto means to follow after. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, mouth confession is made unto to follow after salvation. In other words, he's saying what you believe in your heart brings you to righteousness. What you say with your mouth brings you to salvation and not the other way around. You don't get saved and, and then believe. You don't get saved and then confess. You believe and confess first. And that's exactly the principle that Jesus told us about in Mark eleven twenty three, 23. Whosoever shall say unto the mountain. Well, what is the mountain in Romans chapter 10? Salvation. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, shall not return to, your, to the sense realm, and shall not return to the sense realm, but instead shall believe that this principle is true. That those things which you say shall come to pass. Then that result is you'll have whatsoever you say. Why? Because what you're saying is based on what you're believing. And what you're believing is based on the word of God that you heard. Paul tells us that. Continues to go on and telling us this principle. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth. The Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Salvation comes afterwards. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Righteousness comes after believing, and salvation comes after confessing. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. In other words, it works every time for everybody. The principle of believing unto and confessing unto works every time for everybody. 
For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon them, call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How do you call upon the name of the Lord? By believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And everybody that calls upon him, according to the principle of faith, as defined by Paul in Romans chapter 10, shall be saved. It works for everybody in every case. No matter how much their five physical senses is telling them it's not true, it works every time. Why? Because the principle of faith always works. And it's the same principle of faith that God defined back in Exodus 15, 23. That if you'll give ear to my statutes and keep my commandments, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Same exact principle. Because God never changes. And it's the only principle that can please God. Because God wants you to have what the word of God says belongs to you. And the only way you can have or receive what the Word of God says belongs to you is through this principle called faith. God made these things real for a reason. He wanted you to receive them. He wanted you to take hold of them. And it comes down to one thing, believing your heart, confessing with your mouth, and refusing to return to the sense realm. That's the only objection, it's the only obstacle that Jesus mentioned. And shall not doubt in his heart. In other words, to return to the censura. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Notice verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? You've got to believe first before you can call on God. Now keep that in mind according to Hebrews eleven six. But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. How can you believe that he is if you haven't heard? He continues, how then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That's Hebrews eleven six. God requires that you believe who he is. Well, how can you believe who he is if you haven't heard who he is? And where are you going to hear who he is from? From somebody preaching the word. Or specifically from the word of God itself. And how shall they preach, verse 15, except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then, so then, faith, the kind of faith that pleases God, the kind of faith that receives from God, what Jesus called the God kind of faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. The faith that pleases God, the faith that believes who God is, comes by hearing the word. The faith that believes that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him comes by the word. It's all about your relationship with the word. Jesus being your healer. Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses according to the word of God. That's already done, folks. He's not going to come back and do one more bit of work to effect a healing for you or me. The work is finished. He's seated at the right hand of God because the work is finished. Everything you will ever need for healing or for anything else for that matter has already been accomplished. It's already done. People that are looking for God to heal them are looking in the wrong direction. The Bible says Jesus 
already healed you. He took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. And with his stripes you were, past tense, were healed. Not going to be healed. Were healed. Well, if I was healed, then what do I have to do to get it? Believe that the word of God says Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. You're believing unto salvation. You're believing unto healing. And confess with your mouth that Jesus is your healer. Confess with your mouth that you were healed. And refuse to return to the sense realm. Now how long is it going to take? I don't know. What's your limit? Whatever your limit is, the devil will test it. That much you can be sure of. You're not trying to talk God into doing anything. You're operating on the principle that he established to receive healing every time. And it works every time. Whosoever calleth upon him shall be saved. You could put the word healed in there because that word saved means healed just as much as it means forgiveness of sins. It's the word sozo, S-O-Z-O. It's an all-inclusive term meaning salvation. It means since Jesus died for your sins and died for your sickness, salvation where sickness is concerned is healing. Healing is being saved from sickness. And it works every time on those who call upon them. But how are you going to know to call? How are you going to know what to call and what to call upon and what to believe? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. What's it going to take for you to refuse to, re to return to the sense realm? That's a real question, folks. That's the fight of faith in every realm and in every area. What is it going to take for you to refuse to return to the sense realm? What is your limit? We should be get to the place. We don't all start up there. Nobody starts there. But we should get to the place where we are fully persuaded that God's word is true no matter what. So that our limit becomes forever. Now when you really come to that place where you're persuaded. You extend your faith toward God based upon his word. You depart from the sense realm. You come to the understanding, the realization that it doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't matter what I feel. Today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, or ever. And you go about your business knowing that that which you have spoken is coming to pass. We don't control the time. The time is what the devil will try to use to talk you into returning to the sense realm. As long as it's been, he'll say, you know it can't be working. When all the time, if it wasn't working, he wouldn't tell you. Does that make sense? Do you understand what I mean? See, if the devil's got you in a place where your faith isn't working, he's not going to bring it to your attention. Because that's exactly where he wants you. He wants you where your faith is not working. So for him to tell you your faith isn't working is a surefire sign that he knows it is. He's trying to get you to change something because he knows your faith is working even though you can't see it or feel it. So every time the devil tells you it's not working, it's not working, it's not working, you better change something. That's because he knows that your faith is at work. Bringing about that which you've spoken. And that which you've believed for. Faith, the God kind of faith, the faith that receives from God, the faith that pleases God, departs from the sense realm and never returns. Never returns.
Are you out there? That's where the devil will test you. But you can beat him every time. How do you beat him? I just continue to say what the word says. No, Mr. Devil, the Bible says Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses and with his stripes I'm healed. I've already prayed. I've already spoken the word of faith. And those words are at work. Causing my sickness and my disease to depart from my body. Thank you very much. The devil has no argument for that. He'll try to tell you the things that we've already said. It's not working. can't be working. It's taking too long. You're not worthy of it. If you were a better Christian, then maybe it would work for you. And all these kinds of things. Trying to do one and only one thing, and that is he's trying to influence you to return to the sense realm. But that's within your power. You can refuse no matter what. No matter what attack comes, no matter how often it comes, no matter how severe his attack is, you can refuse to return to the sense realm. Because that's the only thing, returning to the senses, that's the only thing that can keep your faith from receiving. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, what a privilege it is to walk by faith. What a privilege it is to know that Speaking your word and believing your word from our heart will bring results every time. We thank you, Father, that because Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sickness, because we believe that, because we confess that, we thank you that Jesus is our healer. We thank you that healing is ours. It's a part of what Jesus bought and paid for. It's a part of redemption. And it belongs to us, Father. And therefore, we say, without equivocation, without hesitation, we say that we were healed by the stripes of Jesus. We thank you that our words are bringing it to pass in our bodies. We thank you that sickness and disease are leaving our bodies, Father, because of our faith and our confession according to your word. We thank you that we're healed from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter what it ever looks like or feels like, we are healed. In Jesus' name. If you can agree with that, say amen. 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 What a privilege it is to walk by faith. I feel sorry for people that have always had it easy. They've never learned the value of walking by faith. But once you learn the principle of faith will work every time and work in every situation, you come to the place where you're a real danger to the enemy. He doesn't want you to get there. So he'll try to do everything he can to talk you out of what's necessary which is refusing to return to the sense realm. But you decide, not him. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us.